Okay, so this week's parsha is Parsha Yisroi, which is of course the parsha of Matan Torah, the Saras Adibros. Um, definitely the most uh, significant occurrence in the history of uh, Klal Yisrael, in the history of the world, is when Hashem reveals Himself to us on Har Sinai and gives us the Aseris Hadibris, and that's when we really become the Amman Nivchar, and He gives us the Torah and Mitzvahs. So the first pasuk of the Aseris Hadibris reads, and that's on the top of the page here, Vaydaber Elikim Es Kol Hadvarim Ha'ela Leimor. Hashem spoke all of these words, Leimor. Now, Leimor typically means to say over. Oh, Shalom Aleichem. So the um, the pasuk, the first pasuk, I said, "Adivrus by Dabra Lakim Hashem speaks as Kol Advarim Ela." All of these words, lamer. Now, lamer typically means to say over. Throughout the Torah, whenever you have lamer, it's to say over. Like Hashem tells Moshe something, lamer to tell over to the Jewish people. And here you have the famous question: Who are they supposed to say it over to? After all, they're all there. Right, Hashem, uh, the Aser Sadibris uniquely is when Hashem is talking to everybody. Mamash, everyone, everyone is there. Men, women, and children are all there. And nevertheless, it says that He's telling them to tell it over. So, perhaps on the simplest level, it means to tell it over to their children. And the children to their, to their children, the next generation. Which is definitely an answer on a Pshat level. But on a more of a uh, Kabbalistic level, that answer is problematic as well. Because... It says very clearly that all of the neshamas of all the Jewish people ever to be born were there as well. And Rabbi Avram just mentioned that to me outside. I think it was the great tzaddik, Rabbi Limelech of Lezensk, who was a, um, a disciple of the Magad of Mezrich, a colleague of the Balatanya. He said not only does he remember standing by Matan Torah, he could tell you everyone who was standing around him. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Limelech of Lezensk, he didn't say it to me. But he said it uh, a couple hundred years ago. Um, now I'm not. I'm not. Gonna... <laughs> right. So the shaila is if if all the Jewish people of that generation were there, and especially if all the neshamas of all the generations were there, what does the pasuk mean when it says to say it over, to give it over? And of course, there's different interpretations to that. Um, I want to give an, an interpretation given by the Magid, the Magid of Mezrich, who was the disciple and successor to the Baal Shem Tov. And he says a very beautiful idea. He says that when you talk about the Aserah Sadibaris, you're talking about ten, right? The Ten Commandments. What's the other big ten? And if you talk about the Aserah Sadibaris, what's the other big ten? We have in the, in the Pirkei Avos, um, chapter five, Basara Mamoros Nivraha Olam. The ten utterances the world was created. If you look at the um, creation and you go through Parshas Bereshis, you'll find it says actually nine times by Yomer Hashem. And then you count Bereshis as well, and that is Bereshis Nami Mimer, Bereshis also. So there's ten utterances of I creation. Bereshis also a That's what it says. That's what it says. Nami Mimer. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so we have ten utterances of creation. We have ten commandments of the Torah and ten utterances of creation. What do these two tens represent? Spirituality and holiness and the world, creation. Right? The building blocks of creation. The creation is everything that we see around us. The building blocks are the ten utterances, the Asara Mamaris. And the building blocks of the Torah are the Asara Sadibris. And it's our job to fuse the two. That's really what, it, what it's all about. We have two parts of everything. There's always the Ruchnius, the holiness, the spirituality. And then there's the world and the mundane. And, and, and the job of a Jew is really to bring the two tens together. To infuse the world, the ten, which is created with ten utterances, with godliness and, and Torah, 
which is built on the Ten Commandments. Said the Magad, that's the Lamor. It's not to tell it over to someone else. It's to take your spirituality, take your Torah, take your Tefillah, take your mitzvahs, and give it over. Infuse the rest of your day with the spirituality, with the holiness of the Aseris Adibris. That's how he read Lamer. And he showed a very, very beautiful statement of the Zayhar, and that's in the third line here. The Zayhar is a Pasuk, Pashas Nasa. When it talks about the um, gifts to the Mishkan by the Nesim, it says, Asara Asara Hakaf Bishakal Hakodesh. Each Akaf is a spoon. They donated spoons, and each one had was made out of, of ten shekels, really. But the, there's an extra word there. Asara Asara ten ten. Each one was ten ten. So the, the Zara says, "What's the ten ten? What's the two tens? And the Zara says this idea: the two oh, tens the are the Asara Sadibros and the Asara Mamoros. So this idea of the Magid is really based. And her statement of the Zohar, which is, you know, many hundreds of years earlier, that already talks about the two tens that are commensurate, that are, that are uh, corresponding to each other. Again, the ten commandments, which represents Torah, the ten utterances representing the world, and the idea of our mission to fuse them. Um, another interesting place where we have these two tens referred to is in the mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel, which we read about in the beginning of Parshas, um, Kisisa. And there it says that every Jew is commanded, commanded to give every year a half shekel. And how much is a shekel? So, so the Pasuk says, Machatzis shekel b'shekel ha-kodesh. You have to give a half shekel of a holy shekel. Esrim geira ha-shekel. A shekel is made up of 20 geira. Note, if they have to give a half shekel, and a shekel is made up of 20, how much do they have to give? 10. But the Torah doesn't say that. It could have said, give eser geira. Give 10 gear. No. It says, give half of 20. Again, the idea of the two tens. There's the, the, the 10 which is holy. There's the 10 that's mundane. We give, so to speak, the half, the Torah, the Tefillah, the Hashem. But ultimately, the idea is to create um, Shekel HaKodesh that all 20 become holy. Because again, that's our job in this world. If Hashem was just looking for holiness, He could have created a world of angels and called it a day. Right? So Hashem creates a physical world. And he, and he gives us the Torah and he says, you people have a job. Your people is to fuse, to combine the two tens and make that the two tens come together to make the Shekel HaKodesh all together one holy entity. And that's through our Avoda in this world. And that Avoda is performed perhaps even more so than Torah mitzvahs, but by bringing that in, as, as the Mishnah says, Kol Masechel L'Shem Shamayim. Then our, that our, our regular mundane affairs also become l'shem shamayim. Whereas the Pasuk says, that in all of our ways we're meant to see and feel and sense and connect to Hashem. And in that way we're able to bring that entire, that, that perfect fusion. And I'll finish this part with one more Pasuk from Tehillim. Tehillim Membez, chapter 42, verse 4. David Malach says something very beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if it's meant, meant to be beautiful, but something very... Um, uh, he says it for very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very heartfelt. Moving. Very moving, exactly. He says, He says, My tears were for me like bread, day and night. In other words, every day I cried. And what did I cry about? When I was saying, when I would say to myself, Where is Hashem in your entire day? Meaning, it's easy to be connected to Hashem when I'm davening. It's easy to be connected to Hashem when I'm learning Torah, when I'm doing a mitzvah. But what David Malach was saying, what, what, what Yid is supposed to cry about or think about pensively is, call Hayom. 
in the rest of the day. Not in the day, the parts of the day that are the, the ruchniest times, the spirituality times. Kol hayom that is what David HaMelech himself said. That's what I'm crying about. Um, it means that my just like food is something that I that sustains me and keeps me going. It says this this cheshbon anefesh is something that every day like food. I thought this cheshbon, I had this cheshbon anefesh like the bread that I eat. Of do I see? Am I able to see Elokecha that Hashem is my God every part of the day? And in fact, even in the Aseris Hadibris alone, and that's the line of the, the last line of the section, we see an interesting fusion because. Some of those, uh, the first of the stars, they really talk about the, the holiest and loftiest ideas and concepts of oneness of Hashem and so on and so forth. And then it talks about very, very simple stuff like don't kill and don't steal and don't uh, commit adultery, which are the basics of every civilization. So really, even in the Asaras Hadibas alone, you have this fusion of holiness and extreme holiness, but that has to translate into very physical, mundane, normal menschlicha behavior that our entirety should be fused, should be, um, should be permeated with godliness. So that's all the first idea, the idea of the mandate. Just, just one second, because Garshan wanted to ask a question. No, it was already answered. Oh, it was answered. Because you already mentioned this, half a shaker, half a shaker on this occasion. Like I said, you give it then, and I give it then, and then I give it then. The, 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 the yeah, correct. correct. Yes, you, you, you have this lecture. Oh, you're saying that you, I spoke about this concept yeah, once yeah. before, and you're right. You're right about that. I was, I was hoping you wouldn't remember. Okay. <laughs> yes, Avram. You're right, 100%. Well, father was in the other on Lema, right? Right. So, possibly to tie it in together with your fusion idea, the idea of Amira is the idea of Vimagala, from something hello something to Megala, something Helen to uh, reveal something reveal. So from a concealed state. Using the Helen, so to speak, the hidden part of the Saras of the Ruchnias of the world into the Gashmis of the world. Good. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, part two. Part two, let's zoom into one of the Saras of the a very famous one, and that is Kabed Es Avicha Vesimecha, the Mitzvah of honoring one's parents, which is one of the few mitzvahs of the Torah, where the Torah says that there's a reward for that, it says you have a long life, um, and obviously a tremendous, tremendously beautiful and special mitzvah for us to do to the best of our ability, um, and really the Gemara in the uh, tractate of Kiddushin has a whole couple of blot on it, and really the Gemara says that a person can never do it enough. As much as one honors their parents, one really owes more and should uh, be honoring their parents um, to the best to, to the best and beyond the best of their abilities. Having said that, let's see a couple of ideas. The Gemara says, and I'm quoting the Gemara, again in that tract in Kedushin, in that sugya where it deals with Kibbut Avaim. The Gemara says a very interesting statement. When Hashem said the first two of the Aserah said, Dibros, Anochi, that I am your God, there should not be other gods aside from me. Amru umos ha'olam, so the nations of the world said, Lekvod atzmo hudorish. Yeah, he's, he's giving the commandments. All he's thinking about is his own honor. Right? Yeah, God, God is just thinking about himself. He's uh, egocentric, right? Kivan Sha'amar. Once Hashem said the fifth of the commandments, Kabedes Avicha Vesimecha, okay, there's a typo here, um, honor your father and your mother, Chazru Vahodu Lamamoros Horishonas. At that point, they said, okay, fine, we get it. It's not just about himself. Right? Hashem is not so arrogant as we made him out to be and he's not just thinking about himself he's thinking about um, he's, he's giving us other mitzvahs as well to honor a father or mother and therefore they sort of submitted or admitted to the first Dibros as well that is a statement in the Gemara Tractic Yedusha Lamed Aleph Amadal how does that follow? 
Explain. What's I was asking, he says, no, the lawyer, we understand, so the guy would say that uh, he's looking for an egocentric. Right. But then it says, there's a caveat of mitos y so how does that, how does that lessen the severity of the egocentricity? Well, on, in the pshat, on the pshat level, being that we see that not all the mitzvahs are about himself, so he's oh, not just thinking for himself. Oh, oh, oh. If he's only asking for himself, he's thinking only about himself, but now that he's asking he for others as well. Right, so that's an upshotlet. But Avram is asking a question, and I want to deal with that question, which is, what's, what's really the deeper meaning behind this? I mean, why initially do they think it's only himself, and why saying to honor your parents, does that change that? There's got to be something deeper to the back and forth here, in the, so to speak, in the, in the, in the frame of mind of the nations of the world. So, there is a beautiful explanation of the Chida, and that's on the next line here. The Chida is an acronym for one of the great tzaddikim who lived, I'm going to say, about 300 years ago over a little more, maybe 350, and uh, he does an acronym for Chaim Yosef David Azulai. And he was from the great, I'm pretty sure he was from the great Sephardic leaders, but a tremendous Tamachach, tremendous Sadiq, many, many Sephardim, the writings of the Chidah. Um, so he has, one of his Sephardim is called Pesach Inayim, and again there's a typo here, I'm sorry, but Pesach Inayim is on Gemara Kedushin. So on that tractate, the Chida has a whole piece, and he gives the following explanation. It's a lengthy piece, so I didn't quote the whole piece over here, but I'll tell it to you. He says, based on, he says, we have to understand, where does Avodah Zarah come from? The whole concept of idolatry. After all, Hashem created the world. When He created the world, the first people knew Him face to face, Adam and Chava. So who, who, who came up with the concept of idolatry, and how did He sell it? But where did it come from? So Rambam talks about it. Rambam says that idolatry started in the third generation with Enosh, who is the grandson of Adam. But Rambam says, uh, yeah, he says it didn't start with saying that uh, there's no God at all. It didn't start with that at all. It's, it started with conduits, exactly. And they said that there's a God, of course, but he created a sun and a moon and stars, constellations, and we receive through them because they give us heat and they give us warmth and they give us sustenance. So he's like the big king and they're the ministers and you got to be nice to the ministers if you want them to give you what they're supposed to give you. And if you've got to be nice to them, you ultimately start serving them. And as the generations went on, more attention was paid to the ministers till ultimately there were those that forgot that there was a creator altogether. And that's where idolatry comes from. Rambam writes about this actually at length, um, uncharacteristically of the Rambam in his book of Halacha. Right? The Rambam in his code of Halacha is a Halacha safer. When it comes to idolatry, he gives an entire chapter of where this comes from. How did they go wrong? What happened? So the Chida, on this passage in the Gemara says the following. He says, the Goyim are looking and, see, and seeing Matan Torah. And they say, Hashem says, serve me, only me. They say, what do you mean? But you did create conduits, right? The, the conduits are there. There is a sun, there is a moon. So clearly, you're afraid of your conduits. You know, you, you're just, you just want, them to, want us to think about you and not of conduits. Once Hashem came to the fifth commandment and he said, you know what? Honor your parents. They realized, why are we honoring parents? Because they are also a conduit to us from Hashem. Because the parents are the ones who got married and had us. Of course, it's Hashem's bracha that we're born, but it came through our parents. So the guy said, oh, so Hashem is willing to accept a conduit sometimes. That means he's not anti-conduits. <laughs> he's not against the concept. And he's telling us we're yes and we're not. So, okay, we got it. Right? So, and that's how the Chidah explains what, what, what's going on in their minds. That they're looking, they're seeing there are conduits, so why, why can't we serve them? Once Hashem said, some conduits are okay, but some not, they said, okay, we get it. So we understand your point. 
That's what the Chida says. But that leaves a question open. Why is it that these conduits are okay to honor and these not? Because seemingly he's bringing out a good point. We're not allowed to honor the sun and the moon, even though we get our light through them. So why can we and must we honor our parents that we receive our life through them? So this is a question, he doesn't deal with that directly, but the Tzamach Tzedek um, deals with the Tzamach Tzedek, who is a grandson of the Balatanya, and his writings deals with this. And he says, he says there's a basic difference between the, the sun and the moon and our parents. And that is the sun and the moon have zero choice in the matter. They have no Bechira. Their Hashem uses them to give us light and warmth. He says to honor them is like honoring an axe that the woodchopper uses. The axe has nothing to do, it's just, a, it's just a tool. Sun and the moon are tools of Hashem. Our parents are not tools of Hashem. Our parents had Bechira, their freedom of choice to get married or not. And they got married and they decided to have children and they decided to take care of their children. So of course it's a bracha that comes from Hashem, but yet they deserve appreciation and honor because they chose to be the vehicles through which Hashem gives us our bracha. And that's the difference between the two. Again, the sun, the moon, the stars, the constellations are tools that have no bechira. They have no choice in the matter. They didn't make a choice to help us and therefore to honor them is silly. But our parents had a choice and have a choice in, 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 bringing, in giving birth to us and then rearing us and bringing us up and therefore they, they are deserving and there's a mitzvah to honor them. That's how the Tzamaq Tzadik explains that. I'm sorry? How we start Kiddush Lavana? How what? How we start Kiddush Lavana? Kiddush, no, Kiddush Lavana is not serving the moon. No, it's no. thanking Hashem for giving us the moon. But that's something totally different. We're not bowing to the moon. We're, we're thanking Hashem for this bracha of the moon as well. No, we're in Chazal, did it start? You know, what the exact origin? It's one of the brachas that was instituted, I believe, by the men of the Great Assembly. But the exact origin, I don't know. Okay? Now. Sun does have some sort of neshama in it? Yes, he does say. He says they have some das. They have the wisdom to understand Hashem, but not choice of what to do. That's right, that's the difference. In other words, yes, you're bringing out a very good point. Rambam is of the opinion, not everyone agrees with Rambam, but Rambam is of the opinion that the sun and the moon and the stars have daya, and they know Hashem, and they, they, they get it. They know what's going on. And again, not everyone agrees, but that's Rambam's shita, but not Bechira. It's not that the sun wakes up in the morning and says, am I going to do this again today? You know, I'll go for it, right? The sun is a, is a vehicle that Hashem creates to give us light, but it itself has no choice in that light, though they do have daya, as you're pointing out. Okay, one last point about Kibbut Avayim. Why does that relate to egocentricity? Well, because the Goyim are... No, 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 there, there's two steps. The, the, the egocentric part was the explanation of the Chidah. Where the Chidah says, where the Goyim are thinking, listen, why, why doesn't Hashem want us to honor his conduit? Obviously, he's egocentric. But once they saw that he says, yes, you can honor a proper conduit, then that's okay. But then, right, then we went to the next step, but why the difference? And that's when we talk about the difference between yes, Bechira versus no Bechira. Between a parent and a son. Right. A parent and the son of Right. Okay. But the final point is another very interesting point about Kibbut of Aim, and that is that it is commandment number five. Now, being commandment number five, it puts it on the first one of the luchos. And here is an obvious question, because if you look at the first five versus the next five, the simple breakdown is, bin adam lamakom, bin adam lachavero. The first five, 
or at least the first four, the first four out of the first five, are all between man and God. The belief in God and idolatry, and not saying God's name in vain, right? It's about Hashem. The, the second tablet is all do not steal and do not kill and do not covet and do not adultery. These are all between man and man. And the question is, what's Kibbutz aim doing on the first tablet? It would seem that it's a mitzvah between man and man. It's us and our parents. Our parents uh, gave us so much and they made the right choices as we saw earlier and they, they brought us into the world. How, why then is this lumped, if you will, with the Dibros um, that are in the first one of the tablets, right? So, <laughs> of course, a, a very simplistic answer is because if it would be on the second, it would be four and six, and that wouldn't be fair, right? <laughs> but of course, there's got to be a deeper answer to that. It's not just a numbers game. So, if the two, if the two dibros are ben adam lash lamakom and Hashem ben adam why is kibudav in there? And there is um, two approaches to that that I want to just mention here tonight. The first is in the Sefer Hachinuch which is one of the, um, he's called one of the Moni HaMitzvahs, he counts the 613. So Mitzvah 33, in his, form, in his way of counting, is the Mitzvah of, of honoring our parents, and he discusses this. And a very similar concept can be found in the Kleyakar on our Parsha. And they say the following. And that is that, really, what's the essence of the Mitzvah of Kibbutz Avayim? The concept of gratitude. So there's no one that we owe more gratitude to than our parents. Again, they, they, they brought us into this world and took care of us, right? The natural situation of a person is that they received all their most important first parts of life, steps in life from their parents. And therefore, it's all about gratitude. Says the Chinuch, that once we learn how to have prep, proper gratitude to our parents, we'll have the truest gratitude for Hashem. In other words, it's like a stepping stone. You know, it's hard. You say it's like practice. It's like, it's like practice on something that's very yeah. You practice on the small stuff. It's something that's practical and something that you see in order to bring you to the greater gratitude. You know, whenever we talk about Hashem and feeling towards Hashem, it's a little bit um, abstract. And when we practice it in physical ways and normal ways, you know, talk about uh, loving Hashem. Well, you start with loving another person and loving a family member, loving a spouse, and, and, and you, you figure this out, what Ahava means, and the same as Yiras Hashem. So the Sefer HaChinuch and the Kleyakar say that Kibbut Ava'im, more than anything, teaches us gratitude. And when it teaches us gratitude, we learn how to, how to express our ultimate gratitude to Hashem. And as Yidin, we're constantly working on expressing our gratitude to Hashem. Every time we eat something, we make a bracha. The first word we do when we wake up in the morning is moda ani, we thank Hashem. So that's how they understand. I'm sorry? Even Moshe Rabbeinu, there was gratitude to the rock, right? Right. To the water. In, in, right, in amazing ways. Right. right. Yeah. If you take it face value, it's stupid. Right. Gratitude to an inanimate object, but that's not the point. The point was showing gratitude. Right, right. Learning, learning how to have gratitude. Correct, correct. So this is. Right? Some level, yeah. There's something. There's something. There. Everything has something to it. So that is the explanation of the chinuch nikleyoker, which would explain why this is in the first one of the dibros together with the mitzvahs of benadam lamakom, because. This is really a stepping stone to have the proper relationship and gratitude um, and therefore sense of, of, uh, of obligation towards Hashem. That's one approach. However, there is a... 
I said the chinuch and the kleyakar. Okay, oh, both of them, sorry. Right, they, they were both, the the is a rishon, he said it first, but kleyakar, others say some things that are very similar to that. And Ezra says something quite similar. Yeah. That's all. There is, though, a Ramban in, on, the, on the Chumash, in this week's Parsha, who he says something that sounds somewhat different. The Ramban, and here I have a, this is a quote, direct quote. He says, Ki habori. It's the honor of the Bori, of the Creator, L'chabid ha'av, when we, when one respects their parent, ha'mishtatef b'yitzira, who is a mishtatef, who is a partner in the formation, the forming of a person. That's what he says. Now, he doesn't explain more. The Ramban many times writes things that are somewhat cryptic. But it doesn't sound like he's saying what the Chinuch and the Kleyakar said. Because... Not the, uh, the, the idea that Chinuch and the Kliyakar is a beautiful idea. But they're saying is, honor your parents and you learn how to have gratitude and then you'll be able to direct proper gratitude to Hashem as well. Ramban doesn't seem to make two steps out of it. What he seems to say is that when we're honoring our parents who are mishtatfim, who are partners in our creation, that alone is an honor to Hashem. So what does the Ramban mean? Why is honoring our parents who are partners to Hashem, why is that itself a covet for Hashem? And one of the explanations in this Ramban given is the following, and that's what I want to share here. And that is the following. Um, the Gemara says, as you mentioned, that there's three partners in the creation of a child, which is Hashem, father, and mother. And together a child is created. Um, because that's the way Hashem created it, right? But really, it's not just because all three were involved. Birth, giving birth to children, is the only place in the world where we have the concept of infinity, right? The concept of birth is the concept of infinite because one can have a child and the child can have a child and the child can have a child and this can go on forever as long as the world goes on, right? Everything in this world we know is finite. Anything that we do is finite. We're very limited. The power of infinite is connected directly and solely with Hashem. Right? Hashem is infinite. Hashem is, Hashem is Ein Sof, is, is without any limitation. He has no beginning, he has no end. Hashem is the only thing in this world that's infinite. Hum, human beings and everything that we know is finite. The only place where Hashem invested His power of infinity within us is when it comes to procreation. That we have within us that power that's way bigger than us because it can go on forever. We can't go on forever. Nothing we build can go on forever. Nothing we make can go on forever. Everything about us is limited, and yet within us, Hashem invested a part of Himself, a part of the infinite. And that comes out with the koach, which you call in Hebrew the koach of holada, of procreation, of having a child. Again, and the child having a child. Amazingly, this power is invested in a, in a Jew, in a non-Jew, in an animal, in a plant. Yeah. The power of continuity is the power of the infinite. So when you think about it, there's, not, there's nothing in this world that is the expression of Hashem as much as, as, as childbirth, as procreation. So therefore, that's what the Ramban seems to be saying when he says, when we honor our parents, what are we really talking, what are we honoring them for? We're not, I mean, of course, we honor them because they gave us clothing and because they gave us food and they did a lot of things for us, but that really anyone could have given us, right? We might, we're recipients of many people. What our parents gave us that no one else gave us is birth. And birth is an expression of Hashem. They're their partners with Hashem, but not equal partners. 
because they're, they're the hands and legs of the story. The power of infinite is directly from Hashem. So therefore, when we focus on that, when we think about that, when we think that our parents are our link to the Ein Sof, to the infinite, and we honor them for that, for being our link to the Ein Sof, that is a direct kavod for Hashem. And that's what the Ramban says, that it's l'kvod habore. When we honor our parents, we're really honoring the power of Hashem, the power of infinity, the power of birth, the power of procreation, the power that, that, that creates everlasting continuity. That comes, that comes through our parents. Our peer, our Hashem invested that in our parents and invested that within each and, our, each and every one of ourselves. And that's why when we have children, it's all that power of the Ein Sof. And that's why this too is in the first set of the Aserah Sadibros because it's way more than just thanking them for something nice that they did or something that they did. It's their, their, their agents of divinity. their agents of Hashem in our birth. And that's why... The so keyboard of it, and that's why the keyboard of aim that we have goes way beyond regular. Just thank you, right? And halachically, even there's a sense of div- of the divine there. Um, when we and, and Hashem says, "I've likened the honor that we have to our parents to the honor we have for Hashem," there, because it's an extension of the divine, an extension of the divinity that Hashem invests within each and every one of us to be able to have that tremendous level of continuity. And that's why the Ramban explains, um, on top of the explanation of the Chinook, which is a beautiful explanation as well, but that the honoring of parents is more than just thankfulness for being nice, but being agents of Hashem and bringing us to the next step and creating that we will have the ability to do that for the next generation as well.